Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. My name is Corby LaCroix, and the song you're hearing right now is called Great and Mighty One, available on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your music. But for now, recording from the Unscripted Studio at the Junction in Old Hilliard, here's your host and my friend, Aaron Conrad. Great Redeemer, God of All right, everybody, welcome to Unscripted 101 from my still unnamed studios here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, <laughs> I did add a Christmas tree, though, so, you know, it is that, that, that season. Um, what an exciting day for me, and uh, thankful to my friend Kurt Harding for um, this, this tremendous opportunity to interview Mr. Delaney Baker. Um, you know, wow. I, I, my girls are, are Luke Combs fans as a fan of, as a house, we're Luke Combs fans. And so to, uh, to speak to a guy that gets to play bass for him on a regular basis is, is pretty cool. So let me let you introduce Thanks, yourself. Man. I already did a little bit, but go ahead and introduce yourself, man. Tell, tell, tell the audience who you are and, and a little bit about you. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so I do, I play bass for Luke Combs. Um, I've for the past couple of years served as, uh, as his band leader. And we've got to travel the world and play some shows and do some cool things. And uh, 2020, that kind of ground to a halt. And so I've got some other irons in the fire. And uh, I'm, you know, just kind of starting to peek my head out a little bit and, uh, and open the door to those, those kinds of things that I'm pursuing. And, so, and you're, are you in Nashville? I am, yeah. And you're in Columbus. I've got a ton of family, like in the Westerville, Gahanna area. And oh, that's awesome. So yeah, yeah, we, I spent spent a lot of time up in the, those neck of the woods. Well, hey, when you come up again, yeah, I'll I know a guy. Sure. You know, <laughs> I yeah. got you if you come up again. So no, we we live in Hilliard, so we're on the kind of the the nine o'clock on the clock. If you looked yep. at two seventy loop, we're on that nine o'clock uh, on on the clock. But uh, man, hey, you come back into Columbus. I got you. <laughs> of course, man. Of course. <laughs> Very cool. Well, so that all right. So let's start there. You, you. Let's just start there. Twenty twenty has been a year like no other, and and mm -hmm. so you guys were touring. I can't imagine. I mean, Luke Holmes is just everywhere, right? So you're touring like crazy, and then everything's ground to a halt. So what has the last? I don't know. What are we nine months into this thing now? What's that been like for you? Uh man there it was an opportunity to relax to rest yeah to heal to focus on myself and some things that uh you know i had going on and uh it's been kind of a blessing in disguise to be honest and i know yeah. that's the, you know I, I say that fully knowing that this year has been hell for a lot of people too right right so i'm not uh i'm not inconsiderate of that um but yeah, for me personally, uh, from where I was in January to where I am now, 180 degrees, night, night and day difference. So for, for you, and again, as you said, all, all respect to those that have lost people, those that have been through mm -hmm. struggle in 2020, for you personally, and, and I can say even with this podcast, like I, I, tend, to, I tend to look at the blessing. My, my daughters, mm -hmm. my son has, my, my son lost a college baseball season as a freshman. My daughters have lost a lot when I say lost, it's in quotations, of course, but, but, you know, they, things have been taken from all of us, but I mm -hmm. choose to look at the positive and the positive is I got a podcast and I'm sitting right now with the bass player for Luke Combs. So, <laughs> I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, 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 that's me. Um, 
and it sounds like you yourself have taken this opportunity to, to evaluate and to, to work on some things, right? It sounds like. Uh, yeah, man, I have. And uh, this kind of sheds more light on that. In, uh, in January, uh, we were in New York City and we were playing Saturday Night Live. Wow. Right? And uh, it should have been, by all rights, one of the highlights of my career. And it was. I can say that looking back, like, very cool experience. Loved it. It was great. But we get there and we're rehearsing on Thursday for Saturday's performance. And I finish up rehearsal and I go to the bathroom and I come out and I'm washing my hands and I look at myself in the mirror and I'm pale and I'm drained and I'm exhausted and I just, I broke down. Mm. I got lost it. I'm going, man, this should be one of the, the greatest days, you know what I'm saying? A greatest right. weekend. And, uh, and I'm just completely a mess, mm. you know, I was, uh, I was depressed, honestly. A lot of that had to do with the fact that I was working through some addiction. Mm. Uh, you know, I've, I've been a, a smoker or a chewer, some sort of tobacco user for most of my life. And I, I quit on October 15th of 2019. Hey, don't breeze over that. Congratulations. That, that's, Appreciate tough. It. that's tough. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I'm still, still wrestling with some of that, uh, still working. It was kind of the wintertime blues and, and all that kind of stuff, you know. And then that was really the, the wake-up call going, hey, man, you got to take care of yourself. Mm. And not just for yourself, but for your wife and your daughter and your team, you know. Like, yeah. this isn't just about you. Wow. If, you're not, if you're not physically healthy if you're not uh, like spiritually healthy, uh, emotionally healthy, you know, yeah. then, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of others. So from that in January, I got a season of rest. When, when March hit, we were overseas. We were in uh, Amsterdam or London, I think when, um, when Trump announced the travel ban. And so boom, we bounced right. on, on flight out the next day. And we haven't had a whole lot going on ever since, a couple of award yeah. shows, things like that. But, man, it gave me an opportunity to, like I said, rest and heal and kind of work through um, some recovery stuff. And, uh, and I'll, I'll share more about that, I, mean, I, I guess, a little bit later, too. Well, Delaney, I got to tell you, man, because honestly, like my, for myself, man, I've gained a ton of weight during COVID. And, and uh, anybody watching these podcasts probably sees it. Um, I, I deal with it every day. Like, uh, I'm, you know, uh, so many of us have gone the other way. So I got to tell you, I got to praise you a little bit and say, man, for you to, to, to take this opportunity to personally heal and get better and, and face some demons that have, that, that have bothered you, man. I got I, literally, I'm not just saying this because we're on a podcast. I give you credit because a lot of us have, have actually, I don't want to say us, myself. I, I mean, let's just be honest. I'm on a pocket. We're unscripted. Like my, myself, I, I've, I've had to deal with the struggles. If anything, they got harder during COVID. Mm. I think is my point is it got harder for me when all this has happened. So for anyone, yourself or anyone listening to this or watching this, that has been able to take that and say, you know, I'm taking this head on and, and has, has lost weight or quit an addiction or gotten better or started something new, man, I, I have all, all the respect in the world because I think for a lot of people, it's been just the opposite, you know, it, not that it's an excuse. And that's okay. 
right? I, I just feel like that. Hey, man, look, that's okay. And yeah. I'll tell you why. Because we've gone through uh, a period of cultural trauma mm-hmm. worldwide, right. you know, but let's look, let's look at our American culture where we're at. Uh, a, a global pandemic, any sort of pandemic like this is, is traumatizing and yeah. it is grief inducing. Yeah. Right. And we can talk about that a little bit later, but I'm, I'm well acquainted with that. Like I've got some uh, rehearsal time in awesome. for, for grieving, you know, and, and we can talk about that a little bit later too. Right. Uh, I'm a route 91 survivor. Right. And so that happened uh, in 2017. So it's been prior to 2020. I went through two years of going, hey, this is the way grief affects you. You know, yeah. This is these are these are your the where you've been hurt. The, these are your fears. These are what makes you anger angry. This is what can trigger you to go into that. Uh, um, you know, I call it when I'm in my grief, so mm. to speak. Mm-hmm. And so it's just been a lot of practice going, recognize those things, acknowledge those things, don't lie about those things, but don't stay there. And yeah. so, you know, when 2020 hit, I was like, okay, this grief is not mutually exclusive with my joy either, you know? Yeah. And so I think as a culture, and one of the reasons why uh, I started writing the, uh, the book, uh, I don't know if we, we talked about that. I'm, I'm, no, I'm working no, on it. No, I'm absolutely interested. So you got a book. Yeah. So I'm, I'm writing the book and I'm, I'm so close to finishing the first draft of the main wait, I can't wait. So close. My, my, my deadline is the end of the year. So I'm about three chapters out if, uh, if everything goes well. But one of the reasons why I started doing that is because it's like, Look, you're gonna you're gonna face down some of these some of these demons, and you're gonna tell the truth about yourself and the world the way you see it, uh, because hopefully, man, it's gonna help somebody else. Wow. It's gonna give somebody else the uh, the encouragement and the power to say, "Hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm not gonna get stuck here. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's okay if I was for a little while, but there there is." Uh, another side to this. Yeah, man. Well, I can tell you right now, if your book's anything like this conversation, it's going to help somebody. Cause I can tell you right now, I, I mean, I, I mean what I said earlier, like a lot of us got stuck and, and, and some of us, I'm going to, I'm going to be transparent. That's what this podcast is about. I think we're still stuck. I'm still stuck uh, every day. It's just yeah. that same, right. And, and there's things that I'm, I'm dealing with. And so for you, for someone to have, to, to just show, Hey, I, I've, I've been there. I've done that. I got the t-shirt and I'm getting better, man. That, that, that inspires people. So I'm looking forward to your book. I really am. I, I, I man, anybody that comes out of this better is good. Uh, you know, like I, not that you're bad if you didn't, but, um, what, what, a, what, a, what, a, what an awesome story to tell. And, and so I, you, you mentioned this, so let's just transition to that. Um, y'all were in Vegas right? Yep. And for anybody that doesn't know country music fan, maybe not country music fans, but I'm sure you saw in the news, just a, a, a mass shooting that, that was yeah. just the most crazy thing, right? So you got this concert, a big country, and you can tell us you were there. Um, I'm, I'm a country fan. So I know Aldine was on stage, correct? Mm-hmm. 
I know Eric Church has been pretty jacked up, and I don't know Eric Church from Adam. I, I love me some Eric Church, by the way. But Eric Church was really jacked up, or was he on stage? Was it Aldine or Aldine? Take who? Can you you can walk us through? You were there. There's yeah, a mass was from a hotel down to a massive crowd at a massive country concert that's got the biggest names in country music, and and I don't want to revisit something if you don't want to. So and we talked it beforehand. If there's ever something you don't want to talk about, just get past. But you all were there. Can you take us back to that moment? Like what happened? And I, I, was Aldine on stage? He was. Okay. And then Church was? I have no idea. All right. So I, Eric Church was jacked up too. Because I know Eric Church wrote a song after that he performed somewhere live that was was pretty – it was it was just tearjerker, man. It was it was tough because he he was messed up too. I think anybody that had to be there had to be messed up. So can you talk about that? Yeah, a lot a lot of pain. Uh, even if uh, even if people weren't there, you know, I can't speak to anybody else's experience. Right. Uh, but we had just we we were still kind of a baby band. We had just finished playing the next from Nashville stage, and a couple of weeks prior to that, we learned that we were going to be direct support for Aldine on the high noon neon tour okay uh, so typically you know after we play a show or whatever i bounce the bus and i'm in the back and i'm talking to my wife and facetiming my little girl and doing that kind of thing but ju we just found out that we were gonna gonna um go out on tour so i was like yeah okay cool i'll pop over and and check the show out uh and real quick before i go, go any further into this like this is the first time i'm speaking about it publicly okay I appreciate that, man. I'm yeah. Hey, and and the reason I am is because I, I've learned a lot since this, and I, I feel like I've been equipped is the the Christianese term, right? Sure. To uh, to to kind of handle some of that, and maybe help others who are going through different circumstances, but the same heart. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and the last time I told this you know, I, I can take an hour or more to talk about every little detail in the span of 15 to 20 minutes. Right. Right. I obviously know we don't have the, the time. This isn't hey, a purview for that. Time's yours. Um, but I'll kind of give you the, the 30,000 foot, just quick version. Um, so yeah, uh, found out we were going on tour with him. So I was backstage and the backstage area was actually right in between the Mandalay Bay and the, the stage. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so <laughs> I'd been in a group talking to some buddies and Aldine starts and I'm like, all right guys, I'm going to go check this out. So I start weaving my way through some of the buses when I hear the first volley. And, uh, you know, so I grew up around firearms, you know, shooting trap and, and, uh, and handguns and stuff like that. And when you're that close, to uh to the shot you hear a lot of the explosion of the cordite and gunpowder you know it's loud and it's, there's a boom but from the receiving end of 400 yards it sounded like a string of black cats because what you're hearing is the whiz and the crack of the projectile hitting hitting the concrete right wow. so it doesn't quite sound like what you think it was right and uh, i heard it and and initially i did i thought somebody was pranking the the festival goers by sliding off a string of black cats. Um, but I thought, you know what, just in case I'm going to post up with some cover behind me, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. And that's in, that actually ended up being where I spent the next 10 minutes, 15 minutes while the shots were going on. So, you know, what do you do when you get shot at? You take cover and you return fire if you can. Obviously, it was a festival I wasn't carrying. And um, I didn't see where the shooter was. So I had no idea that he was on the 32nd floor, like sniping. Who knew, right? Uh, yeah. And honestly, because there were different impact zones, it sounded like there were multiple shooters. Right. And that's where I've read, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to get into like uh, down the rabbit hole with conspiracy theories and all kinds right. of stuff. Like that. Right. It, it doesn't matter. That's not why I'm here. I'm here to talk about like what happened, how I responded and how, you know, there's light at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. Um, so while I was down there, I knew I was, I was behind a lot of the, uh, the, the gunfire. And so I just did what I could to like help folks. You know what I mean? Right. Um, uh, I met uh, a gal who's become a, a really good friend since then who her cell phone was dead. She was separated from some folks, you know, and I was able to connect them and, you just you hear people going hey we need belts for tourniquets and things like that like, you know and you're going wow is yeah. this is this america really right yeah hey what's happening right you know so uh that was a long ordeal man and i tell you when when the shots stopped and uh there was there was an officer there who heard on the radio okay cool now's a good time to evacuate so we all left from around behind the stage. At this point, there's groups of, you know, 20 or 30 of us. And so we're, we're booking it down Mandalay Way. If you look at like where the intersection of Las Vegas Boulevard and Mandalay Way are. Booking it away from the Mandalay Bay Hotel and, and actually toward that airport. There's an airport over there. Mm -hmm. it's, where the bus, it's where the buses were parked. So the, a big group of us piles into this parking lot where the buses are. And I'm going, man, I know like my back's still behind me, but I'm looking at big old fuel tanks over here and I'm looking at 180 degrees of nothing but openness. Wow. And I'm starting to go, this isn't a, a smart, like tactical position. And uh, right as I was thinking that, I saw two guys from like my one o'clock position booking it across the street with backpacks across their chest. Right now, obviously, at the time, I'm operating under, hey, this is probably some sort of terrorist attack. Right. At least at least is one of the possibilities. And I see these two dudes running at this huge group of people with backpacks strapped to their chest. And so I'm like, OK, and I just I take off and I'm about to like lay one lay this first dude out right. in, in hopes that that somebody else follows through with the second guy. And uh about three steps in, three or four steps in, it, and this was the wildest experience. I stopped because my body was at war with my volition, mm. right? And uh, and I had this little stutter step, and I I started like trying to turn, you know, like going, "Hey, don't do that. That's stupid," you know. And in that second that I hesitated, his hand went into the bag. And he pulled out a bottle of water and he starts waving it. And he's like, water, water. Does anybody need water? You know? Wow. And I'm going, oh. thought that was it, dude. Right. In that moment, I'm like, I'm never seeing my wife again. You know, hmm. I 
I'm not seeing my baby girl again. You know, that was it. Right. Um, so at, at that point, uh, the officer leads a bunch of people out across the, the parking lot. Um, but then I realized that the bus that we were leaned up against was ours. So I'm like, I'm not going over there. I'm getting on our bus right. where I got my bag. You right. know what I mean? And I got my right. firearm. Right. And I'm going to post up at the door just in case anything else happens until I know what's going on. Yeah. So that's where we, that's where we rode out tonight. Man. Yeah, dude. I, I got to think. And, and it, so this, let's rewind to the beginning of this, this conversation. Yeah. Dude, you almost need, I, I would need, I mean, I, you know, anytime we suffer, you know, and again, quotation tragedy in our lives, man, I've never been in a mass shooting and, and you went from playing the bass yeah. And I don't, I don't want to speak for you. You went from playing the bass, having a good time at a country concert. And we all been, to, I've been to a country concert. It's a good time. It's a party. Yeah, it's, a good it's a party. Al Dean probably went out there and was doing his thing. I've been to multiple Al Dean concerts. That guy knows how to put on a show. I got to imagine, you know, backstage is just fun. The last thing in your mind had to be shots fired mm-hmm. in Vegas, right? In Vegas of all places. Like, that had to be the last thing I cannot. I, I imagine you got to have some PTSD from this. Like, man, I, I, you got to unpack that. And and it, so if you guys, and I don't know, cause I don't know what your tour schedule was, but I have to imagine as soon as that was over, there was probably some morning and things like that. But then you guys are right back on the road. Cause Luke is the hottest ticket in town right now. You probably didn't have time to just say, man, I need to unpack this. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. Uh, okay. So a couple things. Um, PTSD is is a weird term, right? Because it's a post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, it it becomes a disorder over time, but initially it's just post-traumatic stress is like a normal response to trauma. You see what I mean? Yep. 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 And and so there are like stages of, of grief that people go through when they experience loss, even if it's the loss of like their sense of security. Yeah. Which is a false sense of security, honestly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but a sense of security nonetheless, and they, they experience the loss of that. So uh, there is absolutely nothing wrong with needing to reach out and talk to somebody who maybe has the, the uh, emotional and mental tools to help you r- recover. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and I did so not only in a pastoral sense, but also, um, in, uh, right. Uh, Kurt, I'm sorry, man. You, you, you froze there for a second. I don't, and I don't want to miss anything you say. What did you say that you said, reach out in a pastoral sense, but then a friend and then it froze. What, what did you say? A group of friends. Group of friends. Thank you. Okay. A, a group. A group of brothers. And uh, and Kurt Harding, who we talked about earlier, was uh, one of the guys in in those in, in that small group. Yeah. That I went. You know, we met every Tuesday, and it was just the four of us, and we would talk about life, and we would talk about struggles and our mm. pain and our joy. You know, and we would celebrate each other, and we would like pray over each other and cry for each other. And so like, that was instrumental in, uh, it, you know, in processing some of that. So I'm really grateful for that, Kurt, if you're listening. Hey, you couldn't think of a better guy, man. I, I, Dude. I, 
Tell me about with Kurt and I, I love him dearly. I'm so happy for his podcast and what he's doing. And uh, I just, I love that guy. And um, I'm thankful that he introduced me to you. Cause I already today, I just feel like, man, I, you know, I've made a friend here and I'm, I'm, Ooh, man, yeah, cheers, walking man. through that, dude. I can't, I can't, I, I, yeah. I can't imagine any of that. Like I can't get my mm-hmm. head around it. I can't, you know, and as, especially as a dad, you said you have a little girl, I, as a dad of girls and a son, uh, man, I can't imagine. I, I can't, I, I truly, I can't even put my, myself in that place. And I know watching the videos, I'm a country music fan, clearly. And, and, and I'm a music fan in general, but I, I do tend to like a lot of country and, and, watching those videos was insane. And, and as you yeah. said, there's conspiracy theories and there's thoughts on, we won't even get all that, but, but just watching, is this happening in my America in, in, in Vegas where people go to, <laughs> Hey, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? I mean, people go to have a good time and that's not what you're supposed to have, have happened in Vegas, let alone anywhere in the country. It's like, I, I don't know, man. I, I can't imagine what it was like in, in, I, I, Man, I give you a ton of respect for, and thank you for for sharing that with this audience. Um, of course, man. unbelievable, unbelievable what what you all walk through, and and um, I, I'm proud of you that 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 you could find because honestly, a lot of people could spiral. And I imagine some guys have, man. I, I, like I said, I know Church dealt. He's openly shared and and written songs and struggled with his response to that. And I know Al Dean, I think, has had some interviews where he said some stuff too, like just an unbelievable time. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you would share that with us. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Well, like I said, the, the purpose for sharing that is to go like, here's what happened. Here's how the, what my response was. And then this is kind of what, uh, you know, what worked for me to help process that, to move forward and not to be, um, uh, a victim of that becoming my identity. Does that make sense? Right. 100%. Uh, and, and I think it's especially important now. And one of the reasons why, uh, you know, I'm willing now to do something like this podcast and talk about the experiences because we see the same evidence of grief now <laughs> on a cultural scale. Right. right. And, and it's causing a lot of friction and conflict. Right. right. So, man, I almost feel a responsibility to go. You're hurt. You're sad. You're lonely. Everybody's angry. Everybody's uh, fearful mm-hmm. and, and, and grieving. And it's like, okay, how do we move past that and right. get to That's a nice. place of healing and, and joy? Yep. And, you know, and the answer is not to, uh, I don't know exactly what all the answers are, but um, I think it's something that we need to honestly address as a, as a culture, as a society. Yeah, no doubt. And I think the one thing that this has done is isolate us. And you just said it a few minutes ago, if we're not together, if we're not a community of people, whether it's a band of brothers that we're getting with together, like you said, once a week to share our our struggles, our, our, our hurts, our, um, just to to be completely transparent with, or it's a small group with our family and our church or whatever, whatever that might be, man, community is different for everybody. Maybe it's your local soccer families that you watch your kids play together. I don't know what community is for everybody, but I know we need it. And yeah. it's taken away. And right now, I think, honestly, I think that's, you said it, man, it's, it's hurting everyone this, and again, 
that's with the understanding that COVID itself is, is tragic and we're all hurting for that. But what's that secondary kind of quiet thing that nobody's talking about? And people are starting to talk about is mental, men, mental health and mental wellness for our kids, for us, you know, everybody, we got to get together again. We got, we need people. I, so let me ask you that. I mean, I got to think a part of your healing was probably stepping on stage one day and do what you were born to do. And that's play bass, you know, whether, in a concert with a large, right. I mean, isn't that where you, does that, that's where you find your joy. I have to imagine almost like a basketball player that tore his ACL. He's going to struggle until he gets back out and plays basketball again. Like yeah. was that for you? Was that the healing point for you? Was to get back out and play bass? No, man, it wasn't. Oh, okay. It wasn't. Um, I, I love I love playing music. It is a a source of joy in my life, but it is not the source of joy. Mm. You see what I mean? Yep. Uh, some, something like that. If you make it the source of joy, it's going to let you down. And when it does, it, it ha- you know you give it the power to destroy you. You know, and maybe, maybe I'm jaded. Maybe I've been around Nashville too long, but I, I just know that like, you know, this town will break your heart Mm. and has the power to, right. And so I'm grateful for what I do. I'm grateful that I work for an awesome boss and that we have a great team, you know, and absolutely. I love stepping on stage. I want to step on stage in front of 15,000 people again or more. Yeah. You know, and crank it up and feel, you know, feel that bass coming through those subs, rattling the whole stage and see the lights come up and the people screaming again. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. It's not my source of joy. Mm. And awesome. and honestly, the first time that I, we had to step on stage after that was painful, man. Wow. We uh, we bounced straight from there uh, to do the, the Kimmel show. All right. Jim Kimmel Live. It was the, the very next day. And. Um, you know, we we stood up on stage and then we did like another show there in, in uh, Los Angeles. And then we, like we bounced to New Mexico where my wife and daughter flew out to meet us and, and rode the bus home. And, but no, man, it, I, I think we did it because we knew that it had the opportunity to bless a whole lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Who were who were shocked and stunned and hurting, and so it's like, yeah, of course that's what you do, but man, no, and that's not where my healing happened. My healing happened uh, elbow to elbow with good men mm. who were willing to sit and cry with me. Wow, you know what I mean? Right, I do, I do, and for I hope people, I hope people hear and watch this, man, because gosh, I'm I'm speechless. I'm speaking, you, you know, he, I have a guest on that. I'm, I'm so honored. I'm so honored that, that tours the world, like, right. Everybody, I think I, for me, myself, I used to sit with a little tennis, tennis, and I don't tell anybody, <laughs> I had a tennis, <laughs> tennis racket in my, in my house. Um, I used to, I took the, um, the, the strap off of a duffel bag that had two nice. on it. Right. I clipped one end and one end. And I used to sit in my room when I was a kid and man, I was in, I was on tour. I was a rock star and I would, I would air guitar, like the best of them. I didn't even know how to play <laughs> guitar, but I think you don't have to lie. that's a lot of people's dream, right? that's that's that people's dream is to be 15,000 people and the, the crowds and the noise and the, the t-shirts and the tour. And man, for you to say, um, 
I find my joy in a group of guys and let alone a group of guys. And you just said it that can cry together. Cause you know what? I mean, you know, we're supposed to be tough guys. We're supposed to not never cry, but to, to be in a group of guys, not that guys got to sit around crying together, but you know, I, I, I'm with you. I'm locked in with you that, that sometimes okay, you got to so be able to sit down and be vulnerable enough to say, right. yeah. I am to put that, the sword and the shield to leave them at mm-hmm. the door as warriors. And I just hit my Christmas tree, but <laughs> as warriors, leave them at the door yeah. and walk in and say, man, this battle's tough. There's, uh-huh. not enough, there's not enough groups like that. There's not enough men like that, man. That's that, man. I, I have so much respect. I had respect for you before this even started, but I have an even more, a ton of respect for you to say, Hey, touring's cool. Full mm-hmm. stadiums is cool. It's all cool. My, my real joy comes from sitting with guys elbow to elbow. You, your words, elbow to elbow, grinding it out living life man and and just because i focus on that like i don't need to take credit any credit away from like my wife who is a who is a superhero right in terms of just like all the crap that she's had to put up with from me in response to this because uh you know it's like what happened and then the response she was the one uh who was really bearing the brunt of that you know my irritability my short temperedness and my uh just general withdrawal my absence um it's like man she she is uh a hero and deserves so much so much credit for that right as well i think i think our wives all do um and i i i I try as best I can. And I do genuinely mean it. When everyone gives credit to me for my kids, I first 99% goes to my wife because that's where the good comes from. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? um, man, that's, man, I just have a ton of respect for you. I really, really do. And, and I had it before we even started this call. Um, I, I just, um, wow. What, 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 this might be the, the, one of the most powerful podcasts I've ever done. And I'm saying that, I really, really mean that. Um, I'm, wow. I, I'm, I'm almost speechless at this point, which is for me, as most people know, is rare. <laughs> so, um, so let let's transition. Let let me ask you some. I guess let let me ask you some quick questions. Sure. Uh, when did you first start playing bass? When did you say, "Hey, man, this is something I want to do"? Uh, I was in junior high, like. Junior high. Uh, yeah, somewhere between my seventh and eighth grade year, I think, is when I got my first bass. And you just did? Did you ever? Can you play acoustic, or you just play bass? That's it. Oh no, no, I'm a guitar player as well. You're a guitar bass player as well. Okay. Yeah, but bass is my main instrument. It was my first love, and then uh, all the guitar work that I do is just, uh, you know, to augment that. Did you start with the bass, or yes, did you start with you started with bass. Did you find acoustic easier to play after you started with bass, or no? Yeah, I mean, some of the theory translates. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Can you play bar chords? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I can play bar chords. I'm, so, I'm a hack. I can't play no, bar chords for anything, man. I just, I can't. They irritate me so much. Yeah, they're, they're kind of a pain, man, for sure. Right. I think, but I think once you get it, you get it. And light comes on and you're, you're good to go, right? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like I can't play them. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What was the first band you were in? What was the name of the first band that you ever played in? 
first band I was ever in, I was a uh, sophomore in high school. It was a power trio and the name was Breakdown. <laughs> Breakdown. Okay. Where did, they come, where did the name come from? Well, first, where, where, where did you grow up? Uh, so just north of Kansas City in a, a small antique and tobacco farming town called Weston. Okay. It's on the bluffs of the Missouri River. It's beautiful. If you ever get a chance to make it, man, you got to check out like O'Malley's Pub and the Main Street Galleria and all these places, right? Love it. I um, love it already. I love it our already. First, and so break our first show, we guys... set up on a, on a tobacco trailer. Okay. <laughs> so, so the breakdown used to, to break down in, in like nightclubs or, or like what, what was it like a high school band or what was it? Pop, Papa Frank's pizza. <laughs> Cause yeah, we were all in high school. We couldn't get in no nightclubs. Right. Right. <laughs> how much, how much, hey, let me ask you this. You played 20,000, 30,000, you name it. Do you miss playing for breakdown one day? Like when it was just simple or do you, oh. do you, I have an appreciation for those years. Okay, right. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. When it was simple, right? When it was just yeah, you guys having some fun. Probably made up your own T-shirts or something. I don't know, <laughs> bro. We didn't even get that far, man. <laughs> it's like right. two thousand. I'm dating myself. This is like two thousand two. Oh, that's awesome. That's very mm -hmm. cool. So when did when did you meet Luke? How did that happen? Uh, let's see. That would have been in 2016. I was uh, freelancing, had been freelancing out of Nashville for a couple of years and just sort of have bass, will travel, you know, uh, right. and, and uh, was playing for a variety of different artists. And it was like, and I was teaching lessons. So my days were spent teaching lessons and learning music. And then I'd bounce on Thursday and go play Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And the next week it might be with a different artist. And so I'm having to learn 40 more tunes, you know? Yeah. And so just cramming, cramming, cramming. And some of that was over. Uh, there was some overlap, of course. But uh, doing that for a number of years, you just, I got to meet, meet a bunch of folks, you know, meet a bunch of good players and, uh, and build some friendships. Uh, and it was through that network that I just got a call, you know, uh, hey, we're looking for a bass player to come do the next three weekends, right? Well, when I got the call, uh, from rob was saying that he needed somebody for the next three weekends my wife was like eight months pregnant oh my gosh and so i'm going Whew. yeah <laughs> i tell you what i said I, i'll do this weekend but um but you know just to just to buy you some time so that you can fill the next tube i can't i can't miss the birth of my daughter you know yeah yeah um and so but did that one out one weekend, uh, played with Luke and the boys, and uh, it was cool, man. Very non-pretentious, very uh, focused, fun, and a place that I felt like I could call I could call home for a while. That's so, awesome. so the uh, the week my daughter was born, we actually had that conversation uh, about me taking the gig full time. Mm. And it all worked out. Here you are today, right? So you've been with them yeah. since you said 2017? 2016. 2016. So four years. Yeah. You've, you've been with the band. And and it's just called the band, right? Because it's just Luke Combs, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. There's right, no, right. there's no like. It's not like Old Dominion or, or, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm in Rio or whatever. It's Luke Combs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. 
very good. So do you help him write songs or does he just, man, I mean, he's, cause he's on a roll right now. Cause he's got nothing but time. It seems like dude is just pumping out hits like, like uh-huh. crazy. Yeah. Do you no, sit down I'm, with him and, and help him and, and and like how does that work? And I'm I'm fascinated because I like I'm not gonna lie I've been some, I've watched some Taylor Swift documentaries and I'm amazed that like Taylor Swift will just sit down on a bus, write some words and then she goes in with and this is where I want to give you credit she goes in with her musicians and next thing I know they're banging out a tune and it's like a half hour later it's amazing to me how they how to watch artists yeah. like yourself. Because, yeah, there's writing a song, and that, man, that's what gets the glory, right? But there's people behind the scenes that can just, all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're banging out bass notes. Just, it, it's incredible to me, and I, don't, I can't get my head around how somebody does that. It, do you do that with Luke, or, or does he pretty much come to you and say, hey, here's what I want you to play? Uh, so, not quite either of those. I don't write with Luke. Uh, that said, you know, guys in the band do. Okay. Right. Uh, Rob, who I mentioned earlier, phenomenal songwriter, great talent, you know, won CMA song of the year with the color act for, for beautiful, crazy. And, uh, yeah. And so we just, just released the the deluxe album. Uh, Dustin, uh, has got a cut on there. King had a cut on the last record. So yeah, I mean, Luke writes with his guys for sure. Um, and then as far as like the, the playing goes, so there's a, there's a hierarchy sort of in, in Nashville where you've got your road guys and then you've got your session guys. And, and there's a few who um, kind of have a foot in both camps. And, you know, honestly, man, this is kind of the way it used to be, but the industry is changing so much. But uh, it was like, I'm a road guy. So, like, I play bass for Luke uh, on the road yeah. and then when he goes into the studio it's really up to the producer to hire the musicians oh, gotcha. there are a few there are a few guys who use their road band as their studio guys yeah. as well um but that's not the case in in our camp uh now that said when we get the material when we get the rough mixes or the masters or yeah. the the stems and we can kind of break that stuff down uh we do have the liberty to go, hey, um, I think I'm gonna play inspired by this. Yeah, but I'm still gonna play like me. You know what I mean? Nice. And he's completely cool with it. That's awesome. That. that so, all right. So, a um, couple rapid fire stuff. Uh, f- favorite country song ever, and it doesn't have to be Luke Combs. Favorite country song ever. That would be Chris Christopherson's "Jody and the Kid." I'm gonna have to look that up. I don't. Uh-huh. Know, I don't even know that one. No, it is beautiful. All right. All right. I'm gonna look that up. Um, Favorite, favorite country song. Well, favorite song to play, whether in concert ever, what's your favorite song to play on the bass? You're going to go my heart. Yeah, it's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just, (laughs) from that first downbeat, it's eruption, you know, just there's an energy to that tune that is unparalleled. So, I mean, I, I've been a country music fan for a long time. And uh, right now, I'm telling you, him and Eric, man, everything that they touch right now is gold. Literally, mm. you know, the charts. But it just feels like they've connected with the audience. Now, country music's different. It's, it's. I mean, we can be honest and say that the 90s was different. But but Luke and Eric, they both tell stories. And I, sure. I don't know. Oh, yeah. There's the, and I think that's what's, what's been, anyway, we could do a whole podcast on country music, but all right. So what's your favorite Luke song? You, I think you just said it. What's your favorite song? Not, not just to play. What's your favorite song of his? Oh man. Um, 
I don't know if it's because of the novelty of it and that it, it is still so new, but Forever After All is resonating so much Huge. with people right now. Huge. Uh, that, yeah, man, I would say that that's, that's got to be top five. Beautiful Crazy was kind of here. And then sure. comes, how do you how do you follow up beautiful, beautiful crazy? It's almost like with, forever after all. <laughs> with, with something even bigger, right? It, it, crazy, yeah. crazy, right? And and yeah. and somehow dude just just pulled it off. And uh, um, like I say, my daughters are 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 big time fans, and and I have a connection with beautiful crazy. As I, I think I emailed you when we were talking, uh, my daughter has asked that we do that in the daddy daddy daughter dance at her at her wedding. Is beautiful Absolutely. crazy, and uh, that's Absolutely. that's special, man. That's um, that's awesome. What's your favorite city to play in? Favorite city? Fa for oh. Arena City. What, they're probably both connected. What's, yeah, what's yeah. Biggest, oh, what's your favorite? That's Kansas City, for sure. Because it's home, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sprint Center shows have been pretty special. Yep. Yeah. Hometown. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, man, that's 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 all my notes that I had for you. <laughs> we could talk all night. I, I I mean, I feel like I could really honestly just because I think there's a lot more to unpack for you. But man, I, I can't say enough how much, man, I really appreciate you going and talking to a, about a place that that couldn't be easy for you, especially you don't know me from Adam and um, and spending some time unpacking that with me is is what an honor. Um, honestly, I mean that. And, uh, hopefully we can connect, uh, after this and, um, because I want to be a guy that prays for you and, uh, and your, your, your wife and your daughter, uh, you on the road, you know, and that sounds probably before all that happened, that sounds cliche ish, but man, you never know, you know, um, it's a crazy world. And I want to, I want to be a guy that prays for you and your safety and as Luke says, uh, when I look for those days, I miss the road. I miss the bands, right? I miss, I miss the fans. Uh, I, I look for a day when we're not six feet apart anymore and that you guys are out doing your thing and, and what you, you've been clearly born to do and that you love to do. Um, and that's be on the road. Um, I, I really, really hope that soon. I do. Me too, man. Me too. Yeah. Well, dude, I, I appreciate your time and I appreciate your friend, Kurt Harding. And uh, like I said, we'll let's exchange some stuff offline. Um, All right. and, uh, and let me, let me just pray for you. Uh, you know, as you go out and do those things in the road, let, let's connect offline and get some, some contact information so I can do that. I know you got your email already, but uh, um, thank you, dude. I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to say it. that's the only words I can say is seems simple, but thank you um, for your for time. Sure for your for your message and for just sharing your heart in that and i i hope you continue to beat those things that you've taken the time during during covid to uh to really take head on i'm proud of you man i don't know you from adam but i'm proud of you and um i hope you continue to just win every one of those battles thanks man all right appreciate brother. It. we'll talk soon thank you so much i really do appreciate it of course of course right. have a good one thank you bye-bye this has been the latest episode of the Unscripted Podcast with your host, Aaron Conrad, from his studio at the Junction in Old Hilliard. Make sure to like, share, follow, and review on your favorite podcast platforms. Also, make sure to check out my song, Great and Mighty One, on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your music. We'll be back with another great guest soon. We'll see you next time.